Greetings, beautiful, wonderful, tremendous soul podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you again. I am sending you all of my love, well wishes, prayers, and good vibes through the airwaves, wishing you all of the best. We have got a tremendous episode of the show for you today. We have Coot Blackson back on the show. We are talking about his new book, Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. This is a phenomenal episode. We we touch on a lot of the topics that are going on now and uh, how to navigate these really challenging times mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So we talk about Coot's incredible background and, and his father. We talk about speaking to thousands of people when he was a kid, uh, why our soul only cares about our highest impulse, understanding miracles, ruthless spiritual integrity, uh, why you're conditioned to be just a body, uh, tuning into your natural power, um, training, uh, why we hold on to our limitations, how our nervous system stores all memories and information, why reality is our judgment of reality, um, uh, infinite, infinitely valid plus contradictory realities, neurolinguistic programming, the best way to facilitate change and evolution. There are so many show notes here. This is a, is a phenomenal episode, so I know you're going to enjoy it. When you listen, if you want to support the show, help us spread the word and overcome censorship. Uh, share it everywhere you can on every social media platform. Send it in email. Send it in. Uh, make a blog about it. Any, anything that you can do to get the word out would be amazing. Uh, visit me on telegram uh the best way to support the show though is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today but you can also leave a review and uh to stay in the best touch the best thing is to join the membership um go to mattbelair.com click the membership there are options there where you can contribute by donation or you can have it for free. So if you're a first-time listener, you want it for free. If you can't afford it, you can't chip in a buck or two, no problem at all. Um, I just request it because I've been doing this for about five years now. And, uh, you know, I work really, really hard at it. And um, if everybody chipped in a little bit, uh, it would really help tremendously. But I do know everybody, um, you know, has different situations. And so if you want it, just send me an email, matt at zenathlete.com, and I will grant you free access because it's the best way to stay in touch. So uh, with that said, uh, what else? What else is there? Oh, for those of you guys who want to work one-on-one with me, um, you know, there are, is an amazing coaching group. I do one-on-one coaching, but this year I released the Atomic Alchemy Coaching Group, and this is for people who want to know and live their life purpose, who want to be fearless and learn how to build courage. They want to architect the life of their dreams, uh, not a bogus uh, life, but one that is based on their highest values, their heart values, their dharma, their spirituality. Um, it really has nothing to do with about acquisition it's more about creation and you want to do it with a community that's supportive and will help hold you accountable and give you all the tools to succeed hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching this could be the group for you because there's never been a better time for us to really engage in the work that we came here to do and to build the people we came here um, to build which is us you know our heart our highest impulse who we truly are and would love to work with you and support you so uh, that's it uh, hopefully we'll see you on the telegram and, and Odyssey and Rockfin and all these different new places because uh, YouTube is is on its last legs here. So um, just connect via mattbelair.com and we'll, we'll keep it going. Some incredible guests are coming down the show and this, this show is amazing in itself. So um, before we dive in, let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. 
abs and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, courage, connection, and ready to enjoy this incredible episode with Coot Blackson. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support this show, please leave a review, share, do what you can to get the word out there. But most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is an author, speaker who has appeared on Larry King Now, Dr. Drew, and many others. He is the author of the new book, Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. His work has impacted hundreds of thousands of lives around the world. Welcome back to the show, Coot Blackson. Great to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's so great to, to cross paths again. I said before we started the show, you keep writing brilliant books. You know, you, you're staying on the path. Just you know, It's awesome to see you blowing up and making such an amazing impact in the world. Um, so great to have you back. And, and just for a recap, for those who'd be uh, new to your work, why don't you just give us a little bit about your background and you know yeah. how you came to doing the work you are yeah. today? Yeah, no, for those that don't know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the U.S. now. I travel the world speaking, so I feel like I'm a global citizen. You know, I was telling, I was joking with you, but I I love to collect passports from all the countries. Uh, but on a serious note, one of my first memories as a young boy was literally seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. And she couldn't walk and she picks up the sand that this man walks on and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. And the same man whose sand she picked up uh, would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. Or he put his hands on uh, a person's eyes. He was blind and they would see. And so you could say these were miracles. I grew up around miracles. I grew up in this field of infinite all possibilities. There were no world limits. And, and for me, this was normal. I didn't think anything of it. This man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London. My father was very much a, a mystic. Uh, I call him like an African Siddha, you know, a Siddha yogi, so to speak, and uh, just an amazing mystical spiritual teacher. Um, and from a very young age, I was always, I always felt people's pain. I felt people's suffering. I felt the suffering of, of humanity. And there was a part of me that wanted to alleviate the suffering of people. I didn't know what that would look like. And, and so from a very young age, I started to ask myself the questions, you know, who am I and why, why am I and where am I from and where am I going? And what's the purpose of life? And why do some people who seem to have everything seem to be miserable? Some people seem to have nothing, seem to be fulfilled. And what's, what's this? life thing all about is it just to wake up go to sleep eat shit have sex make babies make money and then die i mean this is what we're programmed and conditioned by our parents i mean get a college degree uh, follow this route you know uh do this thing then you die As i thought this doesn't look feel like life i mean this just feels like robots just living life and so i started questioning there has to be more to life than this than than, than this and that took me on, on a quest and I started reading books from a very young age. I mean, I think around age eight, I started reading my first self-help book. I started reading books on spirituality and metaphysics and, you know, everyone from Krishnamurti to Osho to Ramana Maharishi as a 10-year-old kid to Tony Robbins to Deepak Chopra to Marianne Williamson to, you know, Wayne Dyer to, to Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Stephen Covey. And I just went deep into 
just psychology, spirituality, metaphysics, mental physics, and just trying to understand the nature of reality. And so when I was age eight, my father, kind of how my journey began, my father threw me in front of the audience and I started speaking in front of three, 4,000 people. That was the first time I, I sort of started to share my gift with the world. And then 14, I was ordained as a minister in my father's church. And I was, you know, like, imagine you're 14 years old and one day your father announces, my son is taking over the ministry. He's the next thing. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of people at that time had their uh, hopes on me, their expectations. And I'm just a kid, you know, and, and I went along with it. I thought, yeah, well, why not? But, but I knew, Matt, that something wasn't right. I knew that this was not my dharma. This was not my soul expression. But as a 14-year-old kid, feeling calling to help people, wanting to please my father, my fear was if I really spoke my truth, if I really dared to be who I really was, if I dared to be free, if I dared to express myself, my fear was if I did that, I would lose my father, I would lose love, I would be an outcast, I'd be alone, and uh, I'd be abandoned. And so for four years, I said nothing, went along with what everyone wanted me to do, uh, kind of rationalized in my mind that, well, maybe sort of kind of this is this, I could do this. But when I turned 18, I had some decisions to make, go to university, not go to university. I said, fuck university. You know, I feel like life has more to teach me than just information, regurgitating information. So against the wishes of everyone, I said, I'm going to go in a different path and, and delve into living life. And I looked into my future and I saw that I could take the expected path, the path that my father wanted, that everyone wanted, and I could be successful and famous by everyone else's standards. But if I, if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my truth, if I wasn't walking my path truly, then that's not freedom. You know, to me, freedom is the willingness to uncompromisingly follow one's deepest truth, one's soul, one's so deepest soul's impulse. And in so many ways, we're following the expectations, we're following our ego, we're following our mind, we're following our fears, and we're compromising ourselves. And so I made a choice. I said, even if I become successful by everyone else's standards, if I don't have myself, if I don't have my integrity, then what the hell do I have? And then I looked into this unknown path, which was come to America. All of the authors I'd read about, Matt, Louise Hay, Jack Canfield, Muffet Hansen, Dan Millman, I mean, Marianne Willem, they all lived in Southern California. So for me, this was like the Holy Grail. This was the dream. This was the Mecca. And so I said, I'm, go I'm going to go to America. And cut a long story short, I ended up having a conversation with my father. That didn't go too well. We didn't speak for two years. But I knew that this was the right thing. And sometimes I think what what our soul guides us to do isn't always convenient. I think our soul doesn't really care about our, about convenience or comfort. Our soul cares about our, 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 our highest purpose and our evolution. And so as challenging as it was, uh, I went my way. And I believe that when you're on your soul's journey, when you're on your path, you're in the flow. And even though we don't understand or it's difficult in the moment, when we're in the flow, that's when the universe, let's say, I think rises to meet us. Nature uh, supports us. And I won a green card in the lottery, the green card lottery, won a green card, 800 to $1,000, came to the US, knew nobody, and started a life. And that was my journey. You know, it was crazy, landed in, in Los Angeles and 
the, the journey began and found teachers and mentors and you know all the people i've read about met them learned from them realized some limitations traveled the world in search of answers and then uh you know started my own journey started my own maybe 20 years ago started coaching people and teaching people and it was one-on-one -on -one and one-on-five and one-on-twenty and then you know, seminars, 200, 300, it just started growing and evolving from there. And it was an organic, it was an organic unfolding in terms of uh, how the process of my sort of career unfolded. And so that's, that's a bit of the journey. That's amazing, man. I love hearing that. And I remember, you know, you, you came, you came on the show. I don't even know what episode you were, maybe in like the fifties. This was, this was years ago now. And uh, I remember you telling the journey of your father and, uh, one of the things I love about your story is talking about that integrity because you actually had the path to massive success, right? You had like, you had it carved where you could have everything that you wanted, but, but at the same time, it wasn't aligned with who you are. And I think that that's one of the big issues we have today is that our society is mostly constructed for people to go get jobs, but not vocations, but not life purposes, but not to fulfill their soul's desire. And if we honored that integrity, um, we would have a much more beautiful world because when we connect to that, it's always of service to the environment as what, from what I've seen. And I love how you said, um, you know, uh, following, following the deepest soul's impulse. And one of the things I've said recently to, to one of my clients was have ruthless spiritual integrity, meaning figure out what is the thing that who you, who you are, what's most important, right? And now go build that and let the universe meet you, let the universe help you, but you can't do both. You can't have a foot in two worlds. Well, you can, but you're not going to get the same result and you're not going to have that same integrity. So I feel like that is, is just a, a beautiful way to put it. So you know, there's a lot of things I love to ask you because we're in really interesting times right now. I'm excited about the book, um, your concept on just what you think surrender is and, and how we apply that to our lives. And um, then also too, I'm always curious about, you know, growing up around miracles, right? We've seen, yeah, and, I, and I've seen this in going to the Shaolin Academy where monks could break stone with two fingers and you, you look and you say, you know, that's impossible. Most people think that's impossible. Well, I went there and studied with them because what I've learned over time is we have this magic where sometimes people are deceiving you, where they will say, I can do this, but they can't. So in martial arts, they do that. They, they have these tricks to make you think they're breaking certain things and they actually trick you. But these Shaolin masters were actually doing something that looked to most people to be impossible, but it took years of training. And then you can think about things like, uh, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, where he's talking about people curing themselves of terminal illnesses, or um, even my Native American elder friend, you're talking about groups of people, you know, starting the healing process of Lyme disease and these things that are not really in the realm of miracles uh, are th that are in the realm of miracles. And I think mm -hmm. there's a quote by Wayne Dyer said, I am reasonable. I expect miracles. And I'm mm -hmm. just curious, um, you know, I'd like to go right off the deep end because I'm always curious about it what do you think is possible here? What do you think the limits of consciousness are? And when we're, when we're moving towards like, let's say manifestation or miracles or healing or things like that, how do we, how do we practically apply those? What do okay, you learn yeah. from that experience? I, I, I think there's a lot to even just what you're saying and many elements to the question, many questions inside of the question, you know, it's a multi-layered, <laughs> it's a multi-layered question. You're throwing, you're throwing one ball, like five balls in like, 
Oh yeah. Five volts yeah. in one, right? Yeah, and totally. So, Pick up the one you like. <laughs> and, I, and I would love to go through, you know, di different aspects of them. So if I forget any part, just kind of let's just just let me know. But um, for me, yes, I grew up around miracles, and a lot of people would say to me, "Did that really happen? Did the blind see? Did it really happen? Did it really happen? Is it true?" On one thing, I would say is. For me, it was normal growing up. I didn't think it was anything special. It didn't seem like anything radical. It didn't seem like anything out of the norm. It's like you brush your teeth, you take a shit, you eat breakfast, you go for a jog, you, 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 know, you watch TV, you, you have miracles happen. I mean, what's the big deal? I didn't know, honestly, I didn't know anything different because no one had conditioned me differently. And so it amazed, it amazed me how other friends and other people weren't experiencing this stuff, you know, so I think in so many ways, we get conditioned out of the miraculousness of life. And I think if we really just, for those that wonder, like, are miracles really possible? I think we've lost touch with the inherent reality that is what we are living, or I should say the inherent reality of existence. Because even if we just start on a base level, if we look at our body, if we look at our being, if we look at nature, Right now, there's trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of processes happening inside of your body. You eat a banana, the, how is it that your hand doesn't turn into a banana? There is an intelligence that is happening that is functioning. There is an intelligence that's happening that is digesting the food inside. You and I aren't sitting here going digest, digest, digest. We're not sitting here going, okay, breathe, 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 breathe. It's just happening, you know, but, but like trillions of processes happening spontaneously in spite of us when we're waking, when we're sleeping, when we're jogging, when we're ex it's just happening. And if we really tune in to what we are, there is a miraculous process that is happening inside of us each moment that somehow we're not even paying attention to thinking uh, a miracle is possible. You and I, we are a freaking miracle. We are a miracle. And, and you know, it might sound, oh, it sounds cheesy. No, no, no. If you really sit with the miracle that you are, that is beating your heart, that is functioning your essence, being, body, physiology, it is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Then if you sit with the sun and the stars and the moon and the sky and the clouds, it's like we just look at this stuff like, ah, no big deal, whatever. But it's, you know, nature, trees, water, I mean, the ocean. It's mind-blowing. This intelligence that's breathing me is functioning the sun, functioning the stars, functioning the moon, functioning all existence. I mean, every second of life is, is kind of proof of the miraculous nature of life. That's just what I want to say. So just to, to bring oneself into the inherent alreadiness that is miracles, not something you have to create or do. It's just the nature of reality. It's just the nature of what is. And I think when we can bring ourselves into the nature of what is, we open ourselves even more to that infinite dimension that is already happening. That's, that's, that's one thing. So it's not something we have to go create. Uh, in terms of consciousness, I forget what you said, but you said something about consciousness. Is consciousness, you know, it, 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 is it expansive? And it's, consciousness to me is not limited. Consciousness, the body is, is limited to a degree. You know, physical forms are limited to a degree. Everything in this three-dimensional existence is transitory. It has its limitations. But the essence of what we are, which is pure being, pure consciousness, 
is not limited to the three dimension and that is what we are and i think when we we've been so conditioned as human beings and programmed by society and media partly through ignorance partly through intention because if we get programmed to believe uh, you're just this body you're just this body you're just, you're just this body 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 oh shit i'm just this body you're gonna die okay that's a great way to create fear in people of death and and life and a great way where you can create fear in people you can easily control people oh shit another disease is coming this is coming you're gonna die oh my god you know so so i think we live in fear when we forget who and what we are when we get conditioned into the illusion that i am just this body this body is a bunch of cells and atoms that basically are constantly changing and evolving every seven years it's said that our cells change in our body so technically you and i aren't the same physical body that we were seven years ago so if we're just this body seven years 14 years later we're not the same body and if we're the body who the hell are we really you know we're we're not just this body we are an infinite energy consciousness as you call it that is functioning through this body looking out of those eyes what is looking out of those eyes right now through this vessel that has been labeled Matt Belair or Coot Blackson? You know, it's just a label. It's just a label. And so, so often we have been conditioned to hold on and identify with our name, our body, and form. And I think the more we identify ourselves, the location of our essential existence as matt as coot as john as ralph as donald as joe as you know the more we identify as this form the more limited we become in our fullness of our perception and so i think part of the freedom is realizing that awakening realizing that we're not just this body we are infinite in that infinite nature consciousness is not limited if consciousness is not limited then we are not as limited to certain physical things as we may have thought. And so I think our miracles possible. Is healing possible? Absolutely, because this body is energy, atoms swirling at different rates of vibration. If we go to the deepest level inside of even a physical object, the hand, the body is just space, it's just energy, it's just you know, the, the unified field, so to speak. And so when we step outside of the materiality of ourselves, then we realize that we can shift the, en the energetic nature of our being that will affect the material in some way. Now, in terms of miracles, I had many conversations with my father growing up. And I didn't really start asking him about miracles till I was in my 20s. And one day I said, how do you create miracles? How do miracles happen? I got curious. My father was known as the miracle man of Africa. I mean, blind people see, deaf people hear, the king of Ghana, uh, two kings of Ghana, president, presidents of Ghana, uh, presidents and heads of states of Africa would come to him for prayers. And I said, how do you create miracles? And I think this was a key component of miracles. He looked at me, because you also talked about manifestation, which I'm going to weave in. He said something very profound. He said, I don't do miracles. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't create miracles. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't make miracles happen. I said, okay. He says, I don't do the miracles. I simply get myself out of the way. I simply get myself out of the way 
in his life, in his words, it's God, it's the divine that works the miracles as they are needed. I just get myself out of the way. The miracles, the, the, the creation of the miracles, so to speak, uh, is not my business. And so I thought that was very profound, you know, even Jesus, who for me was a, a way shower, an example of possibilities of what we can all uh, rise into in the levels of consciousness, said, the things I do, you can do these and more. Jesus, a miracle, never once did Jesus say, yo, look at me, I'm the one doing these great miracles. I fed the 5,000, I cured, I healed the sick, and I raised the dead. Never once did he say I. He always said, it's not I, I, small I, it's not I that does the work, but the Father that does the work through me. And I think that's a key to next level miracles. In a sense, when we as human beings are able to surrender ourselves, when we're able to get ourselves out of the way and in surrender, then I think we open. That's when we let go and we go beyond mind, ego, the past, experiences, conditioning, personal power, and so much of self-help, personal development. We've been creating life, manifesting from a place of personal power. But I think when we let go and open and surrender, then we open to the totality of the universe. Then we open to infinite potential, infinite possibilities. That's when we tap into the unlimitedness of consciousness. That's when I think life can function and express through us, beyond us, in us, as us, that's when we tap into true miracles. And there's a key here. Many times, I think as human beings, we pray for specific miracles to happen. I really want this healing. I want that healing. But I think that is actually a limitation. I think, yes, it's important to do your best to heal, to do your best to get better, to do your best to get well. But I actually never pray for specific healing for somebody. I am at the, I'm at the point now where, because here's the thing, I don't know what someone's highest soul destiny and evolutionary journey is in this lifetime. It doesn't mean they should be sick, but I don't know. I think as souls, we all have a soul's journey, trajectory, curriculum in this, in this university called life and i don't know what that person's journey is and because i don't know necessarily what that soul's journey is and what that this ease may be uh, incarnate in their body to teach them my prayer when i pray for somebody now or you know uh, kind of intend for someone is always i pray for healing and i pray for the highest good unfolding for that person in many ways, I think we are praying for specific miracles, specific intentions, specific goals, but we as individuals are only able to see a small sliver of the totality of the tapestry of life. We're looking through this lens and we're seeing a small piece of the art piece that is life. And from that limited perception, we're setting our goals, we're setting our prayers, we're setting our intentions. And I'm simply saying, the limited ego can't see the totality of what what is seeking to happen and so when we surrender and align with the highest good universe i invoke the highest good i'm open to the highest good i send love i send energy i send intention but i want the 
highest good in this situation. I want the highest good in this relationship, the highest good for this, this health you know, predicament, the highest good. And I think we open to that. Then we don't put any limits on what can happen then we don't put any limits on life because so many ways we think we know what something should be. And we think we know what something is going to be or what something is. We think we know what we want. I don't know about you, bro, but how many times I, I, I talk to myself, there's been so many times when I thought, I thought I wanted a certain thing. I thought I wanted a specific relationship to happen. And then it didn't happen and disappointed in the moment. But now looking back, I'm thinking, shit, thank you. God, that didn't happen. Thank God I didn't get married to that woman. Thank God that thing didn't, you know, so, so we're only able to, to, to discern reality in a particular moment based on the level of our consciousness. So for me, it's, it's less about making things happen or trying to manifest things. It's, it's more about what happens when we remove the mental, the emotional blockages, then our vibration rises. And as our vibration rises to a higher frequency in life, we don't get just what we want, we get what we are. So if we raise our vibration through the clearing of our consciousness, dealing with our shadow, releasing anger, fear, hate, sadness, guilt, shame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then our vibration naturally rises to that highest level and we bring ourselves in line. And then when we're able to, to, to truly surrender ourselves, then we are in the flow of life. Then we are in the rhythm of life. Then we are in that highest uh, wave that is happening. And from that place, I think life has an intelligence. And what life is able to do through us is more than what we can do on our own and more than what we can imagine for ourselves. Look at last point, I'll just say is look at like Mandela, 27 years in prison. You know, I'm sure he didn't intend that. He didn't want to manifest that, but that was, the flow for him. That was the flow for him. And so should that not have happened? But that was perhaps the necessary unfolding for his soul's preparation to get him ready to do what he was here to do. You know, and so at some point, all of the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Gandhi, uh, uh, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Oprah, I mean, the list goes on, just people who have achieved some level of greatness in life. At some point, they had to surrender themselves to something bigger than themselves. And I think when we do that, that's when true miracles unfold because we are not limited to the past. We're not limited to our identity. We're not limited to our ego. We are in sync with the infinite. Then we're open, then we're available. And so I, I would say openness is the key to miracles. Surrender is that, that password to miracles, to freedom. Then life can flow in ways it needs to flow beyond us i love all that that's amazing there's there's so many things i want to bring up there i think the, the main point is the conditioning of the mind it's like the truman oh. show you know and, and immediately we get into this conditioning of what reality is and my friend dr edith Ooh. ubuntu chan she she trains her uh kids like into saying hey you can do telepathy different different things and is training them on possibilities and what they're doing you know with blindfolds on is is truly incredible so you're saying no you have this power and i feel like we, we are just a bunch of dolphins conditioned to believe we're goldfish and you know when we start to kind of open up to the these ideas mm -hmm. we we open up to that power and i love the idea of saying you know you're talking about connecting with nature well it is our natural state the so natural if indeed state. we are um dolphins it is our natural ability to connect to something greater but it isn't the small eye of like matt intends this it's life 
working through. And, um, you know, it reminds me of um, talking to a friend of mine who's unfortunately passed, uh, Carlos Barrios, who is a Mayan elder. And he was Mm. saying, you know, we, we were taught that there's 20 senses. Right. And he goes, we've actually we've, we've kind of lost them and we've lost uh, teaching them and but they're going to come back. And this is part of what this awakening is on the, on the Mayan calendar. But he also said that uh, we're going to go through trials and tribulations and humanity is going to decide what trajectory they want to go on. And so I, th- I always thought that fascinating because what like you said, it was normal to you. And for him, it was normal to him. He talked about this story about going to uh, Egypt when he was a young man and they invited him in because they knew who they were. And uh, the Sufis apparently were doing that spinning dance. And I had this on one of the previous podcasts and he's telling me this in Guatemala when I, I went down there for the Mayans fire ceremony because I wanted to learn from him and, and know more. And he's telling me this story in a little cafe as we're eating dinner. And he goes, I walked in and, and you know, they invited me in and all of a sudden they do the, the whirling dervish dance and they started floating. And I was like, and I made this face. He goes, I made that exact face (laughs) because I made that exact face. And then I had them try to explain what was actually going on there. So you have these, you know, with the the native American teachers that I had, they would sometimes say something to me that was unbelievable, but to them, it was something completely normal. It was, they didn't even think about it. Like you said, brushing your teeth. And so it seems like the point is, is like, how do we align with our natural state or, or the force of, of nature, of God, of spirit, like how it grows trees and how everything works in unison. How do we align with that more? Because that is so much greater than our limited perception, because even who we think we are in that moment through our consciousness only holds a tiny little bit of information. It really is only okay to make like that next decision. And it's kind of monitoring, you know, safety too, right? Do I jump out in the three street and do this? Or do I walk up these stairs? You know, how do I make sure I sure don't, I don't fall down these stairs, right? So it's kind of monitoring a little bit of information, but that greater picture is able to work through you. So I think that you uh, shared that really well. And the last thing that I'll, I'll say is, you know, traveling to all these different countries as you have and, and talking to literally thousands of people around the world, when you get around a fire at night or you're in these different countries and you meet people and the conversation opens up to some, let's say, metaphysical or miraculous things, almost everyone has a, a personal story or knows a good friend that's like, you know, this definitely happened of something that is out of the out of the ordinary, something that, that nature, God, spirit, divinity worked through and did that, you know, everything. Once one person cracks that uh, story out, then all of a sudden that whole group goes, you know what, let me tell you about this. And they'll tell you about a story in their life where something happened that just didn't make any sense that it must be some sort of influence that we don't understand. And it was never like, you know, you text, you know, the ether or God and say, okay, God do this now. It just, it just moved through them. And so uh, I think that you, you share that really well. So if you want to add on to what I said, go ahead. And then I'll also invite yeah. you to talk about the book a little bit after. Yeah. You know, reality, we, we often think we know what reality is, but what is reality? You know, our ability to discern reality is, has been so limited. And so what we think, what we often think of as reality is not necessarily reality. It's often the reality that we've been programmed. We've been programmed to be able to see based on our conditioning and our past. And so what we do as human beings, we tend not to question our reality because we look at reality through 
a limited programmed lens and we say this is what it is this is what med is this is what this group of people are this is what's happening in the world at this time and we think that's reality and we believe that to be reality so it becomes our reality but just because we see something to be a certain way and it looks that way doesn't necessarily mean it is that way you know and i think it's often safer for us as human beings to hold tightly to our interpretation of reality because it's safer because it's comfortable because like oh I, I, at least i know what this is and so i think to be free to become more free to be more open to miracles we have to realize that we're programmed and we have to realize that we're conditioned and we have to have the courage to question ourselves and question what we see just because i'm seeing the world this way doesn't mean it's that way no 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 man it's this way this is how it is this is what's happening right now this is the way it is this was no it's not you know and so you see when we're born as children we're free we're free beings you know there's a level of freedom we we don't we're not really pro we don't really know what the piece of shit is right there we just will run up into it roll around in it until we're told hey don't do that right if we put pablo escobar and mother teresa in front of a little baby it will probably goo goo gaga at them both it doesn't go shit you know narco drug dealer let me stay away it doesn't have that you know it hasn't made that it hasn't been programmed to make that sort of conditioned uh perceived judgment yet and so we're constantly being programmed by life from from the moment we're born every single thing that happens to us that we observe that we smell that we touch that we feel that we taste even things that we can't remember that mom said mom said this about white people mom said this about black people dad said this about mexican people dad said this about money you know mom said this about sex someone so said this about education about life about the job we should get about who we are about being good about being bad about what is polite what is appropriate and so every single thing that that happens physically mentally emotionally gets stored in our nervous system we take it in it gets stored in our nervous system and it's imprinted in our nervous system in some way, shape or form, whether we are conscious of it or not, it doesn't matter. That smell, that sight, that fleeting word, it gets stored there and it made an imprint. We're not even aware. The nervous system, just in a simple way, the nervous system is the antenna to the world. It is the faculty through which we perceive information and information comes in. So we go into life, information. A potential uh, romantic partner shows up, a potential, you know, business decision. We watch the news, COVID-19, this, that, whatever. So information comes in and the nervous system is that faculty that tends to perceive the information comes in and nervous system then through the state of our nervous system, we are interpreting the information that comes in. And so the degree to which we're conditioned in our nervous system is going to basically determine the, 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 the way and the level in which we are able to interpret reality. So our reality is not reality, is really based on the meanings that we're making up based on the interpretation of our reality. And so we, I think it's so important, as, as I was saying, that we realize that our reality is interpretation. Our reality is the meaning we give it. And I think to be free, we have to have the rigorous, ruthless courage, the compassionate courage, the, the, the honesty to question our reality. The challenge is 
many of us, we become so identified to our way of seeing the world. And we think that our beliefs, our way of seeing the world is who we are. And so the fear of if I question what I believe, if I question my way of seeing the world, if I question my model of the world, you know, you see this with a lot of people in the medical community. If I question my perception, way of seeing the world, then shit, what would that mean for everything I have studied and everything I've everything I've achieved based on what I was programmed at school? And so there's a certain limitation. But the more we're able to question ourselves out of this identification of beliefs, of ideas, the more we're able to expand our bandwidth and our capacity to, I think perceive more and more and more and more and more and more realities. I like to say we live in a world of infinitely valid, infinitely valid, but simultaneously contradictory realities inherent in the nature of life. And most people are like, no, 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 Matt, is, is it this or is that? You know, you got to be vegan. It's, no, no, it's, it's, it's got to be this. It's got to be this. And I say, you know, we live in a world of infinite, it's infinitely valid, but simultaneously contradictory realities. And I think the freedom is not to just hold on to one reality. The real freedom is our ability to, to hold more and more expanded perceptions and reality, even if some of those realities are different from our own. Most people seek out spiritual teachers that simply reinforce their current reality. Oh, you know, Matt believes what I believe, so I'm going to follow that. I think the real growth is to actually seek out teachers that challenge your current belief system, challenge your current reality, and hopefully cause you to expand that reality, because we're able to expand that, we can hold more reality, we're able to evolve, and that expands our bandwidth for empathy. Whether we align with that reality or not, at least we're able to, to expand ourselves to see life from multiple different angles, and then we can choose which way we want to go, but at least we're able to see life from all perspectives, then we can say superfluid. The real freedom then, as we free ourselves from conditioned identity, to me, that is true surrender. That is true renunciation. You know, renunciation is renouncing identity, so to speak, identification. Then we're able to, to free ourselves from the conditioned identification to one reality, black or white, left or right, expand to more. Then we are more able to, as human beings, spontaneously meet the moment and align with the action or the reality in a given situation that serves the moment the most. Most of us are stuck in the past, reacting from the past to the moment. The real power of now is not just, I'm in the now, I'm in the now, I'm in the now. The real power of now is the freedom to, to feel the depth of what is seeking to arise and meet the moment you know, free of past conditioned reaction, past conditioned programming, past conditioned judgments, but meet the moment fresh. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of life improvisation. To me, that is the, the true freedom to meet the moment truly fresh. So one of the things I would invite people to do is daily question yourself, question your beliefs, question how you perceive life. Is this true? Is this fact? You know, we're often believing many stories about ourselves, staying stuck in those stories about ourselves, but they're really, they're really uh, interpret. Something happened growing up, mom left, so that means I'm not enough, and now I'm living my life like I'm not enough, but that was just an interpretation. It, it, so question, is it true? Is it possible that mom leaving growing up 
leaving you with dad, you know, I'm just making up the story. Is it possible that mom leaving you with dad? Is it possible that it could mean something else other than I'm not enough? And like start that, that inquiry, that investigation of really questioning. We're afraid to question ourselves because of what that might mean and, and the whole our identity that we know ourselves to be collapsing. The other thing I would say, just as a practical uh, a thing, is start getting into relationship with the truth. One of the ways or the things that tend to keep us stuck as human beings from truly being free and living free are all the ways we lie to ourselves. As human beings, we're constantly lying to ourselves, not telling the truth to ourselves, bullshitting ourselves, because we're afraid of the consequences that will happen if we tell the truth. Maybe we're in a relationship that isn't really working. And so we're like, well, it's not so bad. You know, I mean, it, 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 she's not so bad. They have potential, but we know it's not a line. And, and, and or we're working a job that we hate. We hate this job. It kills our soul. It crushes our soul. It doesn't give us, we're, we're not living our true purpose and potential. And we're like, well, it's okay. It's not bad. I should be grateful for having work rather than just, just I think real freedom or a spiritual practice is the willingness to be ruthlessly honest with oneself. So what lies am I telling myself? Like really sit with what lies am I telling myself? To be free, you must want the truth more than you want what you want and most people and i've been there we want what we want more than we want the truth we want that relationship more than we want the truth of the reality of that relationship is not aligned we want the way the world is rather than the truth and so when we want what when we want the truth more than we want what we want then we inquire with a rigor with a commitment that begins to free us in a certain sense blue pill red pill go for the truth so what lies have i been telling myself what am i pretending to not know in many ways we are, we sometimes distract ourselves and confuse ourselves as a as a self-preservation mechanism uh of, i'm not sure man i don't know what my purpose is. i'm not sure what's my what's my i don't know what my purpose is. we freaking well know what our purpose is but we're afraid of if i really get clear on what my purpose is, I might have to do something about it. You know, I might have to go in that direction. I might have to put myself on the line. I might have to speak up. And that might mean going against, you know, we were talking earlier, going against the mainstream conventional thinking and ideas. And what might that mean? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not clear. I'm going to just hold back. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for more guidance. And so confusion is a game that sometimes the ego plays to keep us safe. So what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And what is it costing me? And the willingness on a daily basis to feel those lies and feel. This is one of the things we distract ourselves from. Feel, what is living this lie or this untruth in my life costing me? And feel that. If we let ourselves feel it and, and don't eat it away, shop it away, numb it away, sex it away, pacify it away, that pain, I think, is a sacred pain. That pain is meant to be there when we're not in alignment. Pain is a signal that some part of us is off, not in alignment in some way. It shows us maybe we're not telling the truth in some way. And I think if we're willing to feel that pain, acknowledge that pain, the pain can be a great recalibration and feedback mechanism to bring us back into flow. And when we are in flow, when we are in alignment, when we are in truth, to me, that's when miracles happen, you know, because we, we, our energy is in sync with life. And when we're in sync with life is the key challenges a lot of society and media 
don't want us to be free. Don't want us to be in touch with our magnificence and our greatness and our and our bigness and our multidimensional, you know, capacity. Because if we know who we are, if we're truly powerful, then we're not going to be able to be controlled with fear tactics in the same way. And so I think the most powerful thing we can do is to really know who we are truly and and live that courageously. I think that's a great gift we can give the planet. Wow. Well, so beautifully said. You you brought up so many amazing points there. And, and the one that I'll just bring up is when we cling to the reality that we know and that's familiar, you know, neuro-linguistic programming, we'll talk about the mental map of the world of what you know. And rather than being open to new information, what happens is we're just seeking information to confirm how we believe the world to be. Exactly. And so if we can just flip that and be open to new information and to adapting, there's a bit of a grieving process, right? We want to hold on to our identity and the way the world is or the way we think it is, right? But what we want to make that commitment to, I like how you said, is like, uh, you know, spirituality is being honest with yourself, is aligning with the truth. Not what you think the truth is, but what the actual truth is and wanting to know that because it might break away what you thought you knew, but that's just your evolution. So you're going to grieve this old part of yourself and it takes a bit of courage, um, but it's definitely 100% possible. And, you know, I love what you said about, you know, why uh, when you know what your purpose is, um, you know, it's almost the greatest gift you can give to other people. You know, it's like yeah. you, you align and you know who you are. You can't be controlled. You, it's harder to be manipulated because you want to know what the truth is. You want to know who you are and you want to honor that above all other influences because that's your connection with yourself and your creator because we live in an uncertain world. We don't, we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't, you know, truth evolves. Things evolve over time with new information. So we want to align as close as we can with reality, with integrity, um, with our own own ruthless spirituality. And um, yeah, you know, you, you talked about how, you know, one thing there's infinite way like truce, but you know, they're kind of contradictory and that could just be the perception, right? And, and Bruce Lee talked about this. He said, you know, one technique might not work for every other person. And that's mm-hmm. just a very simple way to understand it. So just because mm-hmm. this is my truth right now, um, doesn't mean that it's your truth. Like right now I can go do a backflip on probably a 50 foot snowboard jump or so like that, depending, right? That's not going to be most people's truth. They haven't, they haven't earned that. That's just a simple way. Right. But there's all these micro ways, right? Um, you could say, you know, this food is great for me. It makes me feel good. And someone's like, well, when I eat that, it doesn't feel good. So it's true for them. And, you know, they get to honor that path and we can honor other people in their views. And the challenge here, I think sometimes what we're seeing out in the world is to allow other people to do as they wish. Um, and there's this great quote that I'm going to bring up over and over again. It says, uh, anything that seeks to restrict or bind by definition is Luciferian. So it means like they want to control other people. And as long as you're not trying to restrict or bind that other person, you're actually supporting their growth as long as they're not harming you, right? You are free to do as you wish, right? Other than maybe you can't drive a hundred kilometers down the side street where my daughter's playing. You can't do that right? That's not okay because that's going to cause harm. But if you want to drive a a regular speed and play music and think things that are complete opposite to maybe what I prefer or believe in, go ahead. I'm not going to try to bind you from that, right? Right, But if you try to come here and directly harm me, 
now we have an issue and that's the only time we're going to have an issue, right? But when people align with themselves, their truth, who they are, and they have that integrity to let go of all these things they thought were real or true, or they knew they're going to be happier because they're going to be more aligned to become more of who they truly are. And when they do that, they're going to want that for other people. It's when people are so disconnected from the truth that they want to force feed that down other people's throats, right? Because then we got this mass psychosis group thing. And as long as everybody else is doing it, then it's okay. You know, so the more that we, we, you know, have that integrity within ourselves, we're going to want to encourage that for other people because we know it's a beautiful thing. And that's your connection with spirituality. So I'd love for you to comment on, on that. You know, rant and- it's, it's beautiful. I'm loving your rants, man. You know, um, our job is not to change people. That's not our job. And I think many times the more you, you are secure in yourself, the less you have the need to change people. Um, I find that insecure people have the need to change other people to feel more secure in themselves. And the reason that they're often trying to change other people is not for the benefit of other people, it's for the benefit of their own selves as a control tactic so that they can feel peace within themselves because people, they're not being a certain way that makes them feel insecure. And so huh, I was, <laughs> I see this. And again, I don't know what, what your dietary thing is, but it's sensitive in today's world. And, you know, I have no issues. My best friends are vegan. Some one of best friends is a, is a, is a carnivore. It's all good to me. Everything's um, sensitive these days. Oh, you better get it right. <laughs> <laughs> don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. But, but you know, I was having this conversation, you know, with this, with with, with one of my uh, vegan friends, you know, and and the first time I met them, they were like, "Oh my God, you're you're not vegan!" Like we just met. Like, hi, how are you? You're not vegan, and you're right. Yeah, you're basically you're going to hell if you're not vegan, and you're you're the oceans. I'm like, I'm not saying you're not. There's not some truth, but we just met, bro. We just like said hello, and you're just on about. I'm a bad person and yeah, nah, nah, nah. I'm like, wait a second. And I said, you realize that's not the best way to, to, to evolve change. Let's say what you believe is correct or what you believe maybe, but that's not the best way to evolve change. I think the best way to facilitate change and evolution is to not try to change people. So one, recognize that every single soul incarnates into this human existence to learn lessons, and every single soul has their own lessons uh, to learn that may not be your lessons. Their lessons may not be your lessons. And that's okay that their lessons and soul lessons are different than your lessons. And them learning their lessons might teach you more lessons. And that's okay. So honor their lessons. Every single human being is a sovereign being, you know, under God. Every single being is their own soul expression. And yes, we are interconnected at the deepest level. It's the end. We are one and we are separate. We are one and we are separate. And so... Let their lessons be their lessons. Everyone's lessons doesn't have to be your lessons, I think. So I think true love, true compassion is the honoring of another soul and the honoring of another soul journey. And even if, let's say that person is going off a cliff and maybe they genuinely are going down a direction, but on some level from a soul perspective, maybe they need to go. Maybe they need to go through that process. And maybe that set of experiences and belief systems and journey 
is the journey that they need to go on to learn what they need to learn so that they can become who they need to become. And so I think when we are willing to surrender and come into the acceptance of who people are, to surrender and acceptance of people's journey, then there's a freedom that allows us to show up and just be present with people. Something happens when we are able to see another soul, not impose our idea. And our idea, by the way, our truth is also limited because truth is not static. Truth is evolutionary. To me, the only truth is at the deepest level, we are consciousness and we are divine. We are, you know, we are a spark of that infinite. But truth, what we believe and what you believe, there's certain truths that I'm sure you believe, Matt, five years ago, that you don't believe today. That's evolution. That's growth. You know, uh, there's certain beliefs you probably had 15 years ago that you look back and go, mm, I, I don't think that's true anymore for me right now, because you've grown. Maybe you've realized the, the fallacy of that belief system, or you've just, you're just in a different stage of your life. And doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that truth in that moment. You're just in a different stage of your life. And I would hope that we all are constantly outgrowing our truths and finding deeper truths. That's growth and evolution. Many people were just saying stuff. So truth is not static, it's an evolutionary thing. And I think the best way is rather than trying to change people and make people wrong for not believing what we believe, which is very much a limitation, is to seek to understand another, seek to understand. Because if I grew up how you grew up, let's say our beliefs are radically different. If I grew up how you grew up, and I had your parents and your upbringing, grew up in your country, grew up in your town, grew up in your school, had you, I probably would believe what you believe. You know, there's a good chance I would believe what you believe. And it, so if I experienced what, if I believe, and then if I believed what you believe, I would probably be acting how you acted. If I believed I was, not you or anyone, if I believed I was not enough and I was this and that, I would be acting a certain way. And so based on conditioning, based on childhood experiences, culture, and belief system, we act how we act. And so uh, I think one of the best ways we can change people is to seek to see them as a soul, honor their soul's journey, seek to really understand who they are and where they're coming from first, rather than trying to like ram our ideals onto them. And seek to understand them and see if we can understand them. I think there's a freedom when you can. This is an exercise I give some of my apprentices who come to some of my trainings. I say to them, find someone who has the complete opposite belief as you. This is a great practice for people. Find someone who has the complete. If you're a Biden supporter, find a Trump supporter. Trump supporter, find a Biden supporter. Vegan, find a carnivore. You know, carnivore, find a it's just the opposite belief as you. Sit down with them have a conversation and seek to understand them. And once you feel like you understand, like you don't have to agree, you don't have to change, but once you understand, okay, I understand their perspective, see if you can enroll them in their perspective. Basically I'm saying, see if you can take on their perspective and sell them from their perspective. So if you're a vegan, now sell them on the carnival perspective without any judgment. Because I think when we can enter another person's reality so fully that we can fully understand it and drop the charge on it, then it bridges the gap and it really facilitates a deeper oneness, a deeper understanding, a deeper, a deeper compassion. And to me, that's what builds bridges between people rather than focusing on our differences. Like, I understand. I even understand why you believe that. I have compassion. I have empathy. I understand. I don't believe it. But... 
I understand it. And so many people these days I see, and I think it's quite limiting, are kind of coming from a standpoint of, oh, Matt, you, you don't believe what I believe? We can't be friends anymore. I'm going to unfriend you on Instagram. I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. And then, I mean, that leads to a very limited life. You got, maybe you have like 10 friends, five. It's very limited. To me, life is profound diversity. Consciousness, the oneness of consciousness manifests in this physical domain as a multiplicity of form in all forms, in the form of 7 billion people. Oneness manifesting is the multiplicity of form. And to me, this is life. All of life is consciousness seeking to experience itself in the infinite, unlimited totality of all possibilities. So God is not limited, omnipotent, omnipresent, you know, omniscient is not limited. And if God is not limited, God is infinite, then God is all possibilities, all possibilities existing, black, white, up, down, Biden, Trump, everything is really the oneness expressing in the multiplicity of form. We might choose to align with certain aspects of the rainbow because we just happen to enjoy it more. Like I prefer cookies and cream ice cream. I would rather not have vanilla ice cream. It's cool, but there doesn't have to be a, an issue about it. You know. So I think when we, when we realize Consciousness is unlimited. So there's unlimited ways in which consciousness can express. And that's beautiful. Then I think we can honor, we don't have to agree, we can honor that possibilities. And so um, I think when we are part of surrender to is the willingness to embrace the unknown. In, in light of trying to, my truth, my truth, my truth, we're saying, well, I know, I know. And the truth is, we don't know. We don't know. At the deep, the deeper I go, the less I realize I know, the freer I am. That's the funny thing. And so there comes a point that there's a few levels of surrender. I'll just break down real quick. Because sometimes, when, okay, the first level we'll, we'll start with, we'll call it denial. We're living, we're living our life. This is, let's say, even pre-surrender. We're living our life. We're maybe un unconscious and we're in denial. We don't know that things need to shift. We don't know that maybe there's a different way. There's a more expanded way. There's more possibilities. We're just living our life the way we've been conditioned and programmed to live our life. That's it. This is all we know. This is where we grew up. This is what we were taught. This is what we believe. We're not even questioning limited freedom. We think we have free will, but we don't really have free will because the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. We're just living out the programming that was passed down to us. What kind of free will is that? It's just the illusion of free will, you know? And so that is, we'll, we'll call it the denial stage. The next stage moves to, maybe we start questioning, we watch Matt's podcast, you know, we start reading books and we're like, maybe there's more to life. Maybe there's more, maybe something isn't, maybe what's on the news isn't, maybe there's different, maybe there's more I'm here to do. So we begin kind of a questioning, we become a bit more aware, but we're still afraid of, oh shit, if I really like let go of the religion I was conditioned to, going to church every Sunday, my parents, then what's going to happen? So we start resisting. The ego starts resisting as a self-preservation mechanism. That's where the resistance happens. So, so in that resistance phase, I think we've all been there. Then we move to the next phase where 
we start loosening the edge, the identity, but we begin to, I call it negotiate. The negotiation starts, well, maybe if I don't do that, but I do this and I do that, maybe if I don't leave my relationship, even though I know it's not right, maybe they'll grow, maybe he's got potential, maybe, maybe not. So we start negotiating as a way to try to preserve ourselves. In these two levels, we're lying to ourselves, we're not telling ourselves the truth. We gotta be honest, that's, that's the key in this stage. So negotiation. There comes a moment where we negotiate all day long. Maybe some, some of us, we negotiate for 20 years on what we're here to do and our life purpose. You know, we, we're negotiating, yes? And we realize after 10 years, I'm still not happy what I'm doing. It's, this is not working, what I'm doing. This relationship's never gonna work. This person's never gonna change. I'm never gonna change. I'm not gonna stop my addiction this way. And we realize that our negotiation isn't going to work. Then we move into a phase of acceptance. Key phase, you know, we hear a lot in spiritual field, acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. Accepting what is beautiful. However, acceptance is the first stage in moving to surrender, but acceptance doesn't necessarily equal surrender. People sometimes stop at the phase of acceptance. You can be in acceptance and still be resisting a situation internally. For instance, if it's raining outside, you don't want it to be raining outside. You're like, what the hell is it raining outside? It shouldn't be raining outside. I want to go play with my kid outside, you know? And, you, and so you take an umbrella and you're still moaning, groaning, and complaining that it's raining outside. The experience that I'm having is not the experience I should be having. I should be having some other experience than the experience that I'm having. In any moment of suffering, if you check your mind, there will always be some level of that belief that is going on. So you can be in acceptance, but still be resisting inside. To move from acceptance to surrender, to let go of a belief, to let to move from acceptance to surrender. Surrender, to be clear, is the open-hearted participation. It's the open-hearted, full participation in the process of living. When you realize, okay, two beliefs necessary. The first one is realizing that everything happens for your highest good, even if you can't see it right now. So that means even if a relationship ends, if everything's truly happening, universe is happening for your highest good, because it has an intelligent nature, even though you can't see it right now, that means something better is coming your way at some point. So trust, something better is seeking to unfold. Number one. Number two, I would say the open-hearted participation process of life that's happening, even if life is challenging, even if a relationship is challenging, you are focusing on the evolutionary opportunity. If we are souls incarnated to grow, learn, and evolve, then that means every single experience of your life is giving you an evolutionary gift. There is something for you to, even if it's difficult and challenging, there's something for you to learn in that situation. There's something that your soul is seeking to evolve to. There's something your soul is seeking to learn in that experience and situation that if you understand that evolutionary gift, then you're able to roll your sleeves up and say, let me dive into this experience, even though it's difficult, and learn what I need to learn. Because so long as I learn and I grow and I evolve and learn the lesson and resolve the karma, no matter what happens, relationship ends, doesn't end. I get the goal, I don't get the goal. I will grow and I will win. That is surrender, where you're like, I'm going to participate with life fully and go where I need to go. I'm no longer negotiating. I'm just going to dive in to this process and experience. Between acceptance and surrender is a key phase. Most spiritual folks tend to miss this phase. Most of us miss this phase. It is called grieving. Most folks don't allow the phase, we'll call it phase is it five, six, 
of or five sorry of grieving most folks don't allow the stage of grieving surrender is a death you see surrender true surrender is a death of the life you thought you were going to have surrender of, uh, of who you thought you were going to be the life you thought you should be living what you thought life was, what you thought your purpose was it's a death of some sort so that something new can be birthed it's a letting go of control of trying to force life into your idea your truth and saying i'm open to life i'm open to the universe so surrender is a letting go it's a death which need where we need to allow the grieving grieving is part of the process so it's surrendering to our humanity too it's a part of the process that allows us to release the old release and honor the old relationship the old energy the old emotion so that we're free to open and embrace the new this is surrender this is the key and many times we resist uh grieving because we we're afraid that it we won't cope with it we're afraid that it will last forever we're afraid that it, it's not spiritual some folks in the spiritual field we i've done this we do this thing where we say I only want high vibe, high, high vibrations, only high vibrations, man. Just keep my vibe high and grieving is not high vibe. So I'm not going to allow the grieving. I'm going to suppress the grieving and we do a spiritual bypass. The challenge is when we suppress the grieving, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays stuck in our mind, our psyche, our heart, blocks our heart. We carry it with us, physiology, nervous system. We carry that energy with us. A part of our hearts, a part of ourself is not fully available in the next phase of our life. We're not able to be fully present, fully open, fully loving, let's say in a relationship, because we're still carrying the grief of the old grieving and allowing the grieving allows us to fully truly let go and when we let go then there's space when we let go we're lighter when we let go our vibration will naturally rise higher and we will attract to us what we where we are vibrating at in consciousness because in life we don't just attract what we want we attract what we are we attract our vibrational matches in life that is the consistent tendency so when we grieve we move into then surrender then as we move into surrender then we move into that, that final phase that i call the magic or we'll talk about the flow when we're truly in the flow we're open we're available when we're in the flow one of the things we let go of is the mental constant need to know the mind is constantly needing to know what does this mean where is this going? Where, are we going to get mad? What's going to happen? What's going to, what's not going to happen? And it's cost, if there's anything that the, the, you know, anything maybe potentially good that's happened from the last year, it's, it's a spiritual lesson where none of us really know what the hell is really going on. Is it up, down, lockdown, down, down, no, nobody knows. No. So, so it's kind of forced us into this internal yoga of like embracing the unknown for a moment. You know, we do what we can, but let's, let's embrace the unknown. And so I think the degree to which we're able to embrace the unknown is the degree to which we are free. And so the more we're able to not hold on to this is what life is, this is what's going to happen, then we can be in the unknown. We can be curious. That's a key quality, the willingness to live curiously and the willingness to allow life to lead you. So in this final phase of surrender, you are allowing life to lead you, allowing yourself to go maybe where you haven't and allowing yourself to follow the energy and the impulse of life. We, be, we start following the wave. We start riding the wave. And that's when I think, that's when the magic happens. And that's when things happen in our life that we couldn't have planned. 
that we couldn't have manifested with our minds, you know, that we couldn't have written on a journal and say, I want to make this happen. That's when like we're fully open because we're riding the flow, we're riding the wave. That's the magic of surrender, you know? And so I think if we're able to move through that, then miracles happen. Wow, man, that was, that was amazing. That was so beautifully put. And I feel like really on point, you shared so many keys there. I, I was reminded of, of so many stories and, and things that I've learned that align with exactly what you're saying. And I remember somebody telling me a story about a friend and uh, this was one of their close friends and they were, um, you know, had a good life and all of a sudden he got into drugs, right? Selling drugs, doing these different things and his health got really bad. And, you know, he, it was really, really bad for him. And he was talking to him and he was trying to help him, but there was nothing he could do. Um, it basically came to a point where uh, the police came to the apartment that he was in and they were going to arrest him. And he freaked out and jumped out the window full plane glass window. I think it was two stories up. Um, I think it ended up breaking both his legs and ended up in a wheelchair. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, almost died. So then you flash forward and you think, Holy God, that's the worst thing that, that could happen. Well, this guy ended up turning his life around and he started to, he got clean and now he goes around and he helps youth and he works with a lot of different people. Um, you know, sharing what his journey was, what he went through to try to help people to avoid that situation. And he said he wouldn't change it for anything. And that's just kind of a story to reflect on, on some of the principles that you're, you're talking about. Like we can be there, but we also ultimately have to let them go to make their own choices. And I feel like a lot of what you're talking about as well is something I learned a while back, which was called the formula for truth. And, and under rather than um, seeking, to, seeking to cast judgment, right? Oh, this is wrong, right? Meat is wrong because of this. Vegan is wrong is because of this. Well, they're two opposing views and you seek understanding rather than casting judgment and understanding that it's information and information is going to evolve. And the more that you can do that with, with each and every person, just imagine that it's a zero to 90 scale and truth is maybe 45 degrees somewhere in the middle. You're at the, you know, the meat eater scale, right? At, at the X, Y, at X axis and they're at the vegan hardcore scale, the Y, right? But what we do is we shut down all of that information, yeah. right? For not just that one person though, for every other person. Mm. And so you can imagine how much information over time that you would lose, right? From not seeking understanding. And the other thing that does too, is it dishonors the other person. It dishonors their perspective. It dishonors their soul. So it's not a very spiritual thing to do, right? It's you're not giving them any respect for their way of life or upbringing. Maybe it was like my Native American friend where they were taught to grow and how to hunt and how that they had relations with all the animals, you know, and that they understood that this was a cycle that some animals eat other animals and that it's actually necessary because then there'll be an overpopulation of bunnies or an overpopulation of this if, you know, things weren't going, but they, they have a, um, a deep reverence and they only take for what they need. Right. But that's their upbringing. You, so you make that wrong. Right. And so rather than seeking, maybe you would learn something. Right. And you could yeah, still, yeah. um, there's something that says like a quote, that's wisdom's being able to hold two ideas without, uh, you know, choosing one is just allowing that person to be who they are. And I feel like that is a really amazing and powerful thing for us to do. If we are able to 
bring that into our lives because it's going to allow us to evolve. And, and what you shared about surrender, I think is truly brilliant. I'm going to go back and re-listen to that just so I can let it uh, dive deeper because, you know, it, it is this balance. Like I like the yin yang symbol in, in martial arts. And, you know, one of them is like this attachment idea, kind of how I understand it when I want to go do a backflip or, or I'm teaching an athlete to do something that's extraordinary. We're putting ourselves in real danger in the moment. And that's why, you know, martial arts and uh, even more so extreme sports, it tests spiritual knowledge because there is going to be a surrender. You're creating your reality in that moment with a very real danger if it goes wrong. And you have to kind of assess how you're manifesting that reality, what needs to be done. And so if I want to do a backflip, the bigger the jump, the more surrender is necessary. Because if, if I try to do a jump over a, a little tiny, you know, a jump, which I can, I can spin it really fast. And it's almost like a flatland backflip. The risk is lower because I know I'm pretty low to the ground and I can just spin it really quick and I can get around and, and nothing bad's going to happen. But I remember going to Mammoth, you know, and when I was in Mammoth, I was from Whistler. The jumps are big there, but they had the summer park and, uh, you know, I was riding with a really good uh, ex-pro snowboarder and he's like, we were talking, he goes, oh man, I hate backflips. And I was like, well, I was thinking about doing one on this one. This jump was enormous, but it was a little bit softer. And so he goes, yeah, man, you could do it. Go for it. And uh, I put it in my mind. I visualized it and I did it. But going up this jump was like going up a mountain. I had to wait like three to five seconds just to get to the top of the damn jump going really fast. And then when I left the jump, I had to slowly start going upside down because that I tried to do it like a two foot jump, right? I'm going to spin two or three and who knows what's going to happen. And so, you know, it puts those perspectives in, in real life. Like that is, that is a necessary thing. And then mm -hmm. I think what you're talking about as well is the non-attachment, right? Yeah. How do we, how do we desire it and, and get into the flow and listen to those signs and get guided and say, universe, you know, bring me a beautiful relationship. I'm mm -hmm. not going to force it. I'm going to look at the signs and the feedback that I'm getting. Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to make this person who I want them to be. I'm going to mm -hmm. allow the universe to bring it. So I would, I would like that. Um, but I'm not going to be attached to that because if I need this relationship, if I need this job, if I need this knowledge, if I need this any anything outside of me not to be whole complete harmonious full of self-love connected congruent um you know and beautiful in myself with full of self-love and i need one thing outside me it's going to be infinite things because that one thing will morph into another thing the mm. second you get the one thing and so um i just love for you to comment on that and then maybe just you did address it but the way that i see it is like you know we want to intend for the thing we want, maybe an affirmation or the, the life design, or, you know, I want to know what my life purpose is. Like you said, I, I feel the same way. You know what your life purpose is, but it's taking that responsibility on your shoulders yeah. for what that means. Yeah. Because if you take the responsibility of what that means to know what your life purpose is, it means you don't know how you're going to make it work. You don't know how much money you're going to get. You don't know how many times you're going to fail all you know is that in your guts and in your bones and who you are, that's what you're supposed to do. And yeah. so few people want to engage with that promise with themselves to say, you know, I'm going to make this happen. You know, I can do this. So I'd love for you to speak on that yeah. idea of like manifesting, but also surrendering so, to, to so something I, I, greater. I, I think the real key is 
you know, surrender is not laziness. Like, oh, surrender, we'll just sit on my couch, I'm surrendered. No, that's not surrender, that's just being a bozo, that's being lazy, you know, that's, that, that's not true surrender. Surrender is feeling the deepest truth that you're able to feel in your heart. And that will evolve, because it may not be what it was a year ago and 10 years ago, and what have you, because your purpose is always, is also evolutionary. Your purpose is gonna evolve as you evolve, and hopefully it doesn't stay the same. That's the goal. If it just stays the same, likely we're not growing. And so to surrender is to feel the deepest truth, not what you think you should be doing, not what your parents told you you should be doing. What is my deepest authentic truth if I really, if I really let my soul guide me? And if that is to create a book, that is to launch a particular business, go in that direction, move in that direction. I'm not saying just sit and wait, go in that direction. That impulse is the impulse of life. But as you go in that direction, don't get attached to the specific form and the outcome. Don't get attached to the specific form and the outcome because it's possible that that goal is the goal that you're meant to go for. But it's also possible because life is about evolution. The soul's intention is to evolve. It's possible that that vehicle and the pursuit of that goal is part of the evolutionary path, part of the necessary process that you need to go on so that you can learn the lessons that the journey of pursuing that goal will take you on. And the goal that you thought was the goal wasn't really the goal. It was just the goal to get you to get your soul in the direction to learn the lesson you needed to learn so that you could become who you need to become, then move over here. So sometimes what we think is the goal ain't the goal. The goal is really over there. But if we don't take that step and go in that direction, we're not going to meet the people. We're not going to go through the growth. We're not going to go through the hardship. We're not going to develop the soul muscle that we need to develop so that we can rise to become who we need to be. So go in the direction. Don't think you know. Don't be attached. If anything, be attached to the process. Be attached to the learning. Be attached to the growth. And when that happens, then, then without being attached to, it's got to be this, it's got to be put, this is my soulmate, it's got to be this person, then you can be open. Like, I'm going to give this 100%. I'm going to give it everything I've got and allow life to show me. That's the curiosity. In that openness, you're not limiting life. In that, many times we're limiting life because we're like, no, 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 Matt, it's got to be this and only this, and it's got to be, this is how it has to manifest. And, I'm, and I found that life is bigger. Life is bigger than our intention. Life is bigger than your mind. Life is bigger than little old you. And I think when we're open, we're trusting. When we're open and trusting, we're available for life to show up. That's the magic there. In terms of goals and intentions, yes, have your intention. However, many times the intention we're setting is only the intention and goal we're able to set based on our current level of consciousness and so what we think we want is only what we think we want based on who we think we are but if we're not in touch with who we really are then what we think we want is not going to be what we really want it's just going to be what we thought we wanted based on a kind of misperception so now we've set this goal and we're pushing for this goal that's not really what we really really want it's just what we think we want what our parents wanted what our grandparents wanted what social media has conditioned us to want rather than this is a this is what I truly want versus this is what's aligned. Is it alignment? So for me, the shift came many years ago when I stopped saying what do I want, what do I want, as in a small I. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And and I'm inviting everyone to be still, take time in the stillness, feel deeper than the mind, feel deeper than the eye, tune in, listen deeply, and open to what does life want to express through me? 
What does the divine want to express through me? What does God want to express through me? What does the universe want to express through me? What is seeking to be expressed through me right now? And open to that, listening to that. Don't project. We're constantly projecting. Sometimes the ways we project, we're going to think is our intuition, but it's not our intuition, it's, it's our fears moving through. And so if we're able to say, okay, what does life want to, to, to express through me? What is that deepest impulse of how the universe wants to manifest? And be open to that, listen deeply. We can then attune ourselves to the deeper impulse. Then if we're able to go, wow. Like for instance, Matt, this book, The Magic of Surrender, right? I just got these books, by the way. These books, The Magic of Surrender. This was not the book I thought I was going to write. I had, I, Ku, had all these plans, honest confession, I sat down with a whiteboard on the wall, wrote 150 ideas. This, that, wow. I was telling my, my, my editor, I think that's going to sell. Oh, people would love that. That's the sexy title. Ah, oh, that would hook people. People would love that. They would love that. I had all these great ideas of books I thought I should write. I thought I should sell. Books I thought would be hits. Came up with all these sexy, amazing titles. Maybe 50 to 75 titles. That's a winner. That's a winner. That's a winner. Then one day, as I was in the creation mode, it became clear the soul of this book came through beyond me. It wasn't like I wanted it. It's about surrender. Shit. But, and, and so my mind was resisting a little bit, but, 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 but and then eventually it, it, it was so clear that the alignment, it was about surrender. So then I started brainstorming all these titles as the magic of surrender. It's like, but it's like, this is what it is. This is where the wave is going. So we can work against the wave and try to surf a wave that isn't, or we can feel for the wave. And what I'm saying is when you move from what I want, personal power, to the new paradigm of what is life seeking to express. You see, your goals, your dreams, our goals, our dreams, our visions, I like to say this, has chosen us. Encoded in the dream and vision is the seed for its fulfillment. If, if life has chosen you to fulfill that dream because everything you've been through has prepared you, every pain, every trauma, every hurt, every failure, every disease, everything you've been through has been the perfect preparation of the universe to prepare you for the fulfillment of this goal, dream, and vision, that means the dream doesn't belong to you. It belongs to life. And that dream and that book and that idea and that business is the is the impulse of life seeking to express through you and you and i are the vehicles when we realize that oh it doesn't belong to me it belongs to life oh and we can tune into that then our job is to say yes get ourselves out the way and then we can then we can align our actions with the wave then we can align our actions and our personality with our soul and when our personality is aligned with our soul deeper intention, deepest authentic impulse, then we freaking go for it. Then you, then you act, then you move into action, then you put the marketing, then you put the strategy, then you do the Facebook ad, but it's all aligned in the right direction, in the authentic direction in the moment. Challenges many of us, we're like aligning that stuff on things we think we should be doing because you know everyone's talking about the secret, let's talk about the secret. Everyone's talking about manifestation, let's talk about, everyone's talking about money, let's talk about, everyone's, you know, being Gary Vee, let's be Gary Vee, let's be this, no, 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 no. Follow your path, 
when you are on your path and then you align your actions with that, you might work harder than you ever worked. You might work 27 hours a day. You might not sleep, you might, but, but you will be aligned. Nature rises to support you. And then you realize because you're riding that wave, you're in the flow, life expresses through you. If that dream is not yours, it belongs to life and you open to life, then life, life, this intelligence is what manifests through you. That's when you tap into the magic. That's when you tap in. That's when you step outside of the limit. That's when you step into miracles and you step outside of the limitations of just the mind. That's when you access it. We'll call it soul math, where two plus two doesn't just equal four anymore. Two plus two kind of equals whatever is needed for the fulfillment of your destiny. That's the Mandela zone. You know, that's the Martin Luther King zone. That's the Mother Teresa zone. What, they, what life was able to do through them was more than what they could do of themselves. And I think that's the power. And also I would invite every person, take the time to be still, take the time to listen. Don't question the mind, don't question this deepest impulse. One of the ways we block ourselves is what, what, what does this mean? Why, what, don't question. You follow the clues. When you follow the clues, you don't need to understand why and you don't need to understand where you're going in order to get to where you need to go. Follow those clues. And when you follow those clues, life manifests through you. Then you realize I'm not the one manifesting. I am not the doer. Life is doing. That's, that's the miracle zone, brother. I love that. That was, that was again, so beautifully put. I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I, I, I think that it's like um, almost like this big Zelda game and the, and the clue, we only, we only know that next step. We're not going to know the whole outcome, but we're being led through this, you know, trail map of life and, and God, spirit, nature, the universe has the big map. And so we see it as a setback, but maybe they're avoiding something else. So when we don't judge it, um, you know, it's very similar to what I teach in Zen athletes saying that, you know, if you were miss a shot as a kid and you teach them, What's the most powerful perspective they can have in that scenario? So if you believe like, oh, I missed the shot, I'm a failure, I'm no good, I'm worthless, that's not very empowering. But if you say, okay, what's the most powerful and positive perspective I can have in this scenario, um, you're going to be more empowered. It's how we react to life. And you're setting up very true and very powerful frames for us to navigate this existence. And so, you know, everything that you, you shared here were really deep uh, powerful truths. You know what I mean? If we can get on that solid foundation for how we navigate this mystery, and it's ultimately going to be a mystery. So what foundational principles or beliefs or operating systems can we choose to adopt to make the journey uh, more aligned, more beautiful, more uh, helpful to ourselves and others. Um, it's maybe one of the most powerful things we can do. So, man, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It was a, it was a treat. It was great to see you again. Is there anything else that you wish that uh, we, had, we had chatted about or you want to cover before we end the show? No, I, I think it's been a beautiful show, brother. You held a beautiful space. I've loved hanging with you. I'd love for, to, to share with, uh, if, if, if it's okay, how of people course, can yeah. find out about the book. Yeah. Uh, the Magic of Surrender coming out now, depending on when people listen to it, May the 4th. Uh, you can pre-order The Magic of Surrender. Let's www. see the cover. Uh, here we go. Just arrived yesterday. Congrats, man. That's huge. Nice hardcover. Beautiful. Good for you, man. At www.themagicofsurrender.com. It's available. Yeah, you, you do it all right, too. Go check out, go check out uh, the website. You know, I think you do like the whole 
Um, you know, you got giving, some good bonuses over there. Yeah, you got like giving, giving some great bonuses. Over. Yeah, you yeah, you, you got it all set up right. And and again, man, like you know, if you go through this podcast one of the things I learned in Zen, it's like, you know, these universal principles, there aren't infinite universal principles. It's a deepening of the same ones. And so you hit on so many very important topics today. So um, I invite people to go check out your work and your book and, and uh, yeah, man, just appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks brother. Okay. Thanks for coming guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely tremendous and phenomenal Coop Blackson. I hope that you enjoyed this show. If you did, please share it as far and as wide as you can. Help us spread the vibe to the world. Go over to mattbelair.com and become a member. And if you want some tools and training on knowing what your life purpose is, who you came here to be and know it for sure and want to architect your life by design, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or consider taking the Soul Compass course, which is in the academy. Or you can check out the quantum heart hypnosis. That is really all of the work that you know I, I train in now is helping people know who they are, who they came here to be, and how to design and architect the life they, they came to live and to design strong people to understand reality as it is and to build strong community. And so if you want to be a part of that, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to support you in any way that I can uh, with a tremendous and beautiful community. So if that sounds interesting, just hit me up, Matt at Zen Athlete and we can uh, discuss how I can support you. But uh, this wraps it up. So let's uh, come into a state of peace and coherence. If you haven't already, download Telegram. Find me on Telegram, on my link tree and everywhere. That's where I'm posting most of my information. And so, yes, it'll be great to have you there. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, courage, inspiration, connection, and ready to enjoy the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.